Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome back to the twofer, Ruth and Redeemer. The second half of chapter one is... uh, the introduction of of Boaz uh, and the dynamic involved with this is one of those cases where we see it just so happened that Ruth went into the field of Boaz, who just turns out coincidentally to be uh, her uh, a kinsman redeemer for Naomi. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. It, the, and the text knows that. The text understands. It just so happens. That's like a wink and a nod, huh? It just so happened that God is in control, huh? He is sovereign and in control, and that's why this story is here, because it shows God working to take care of two women and provide for them uh, through the person of, of Boaz. So understand when you read that. It just so happens that she ended up, that is a wink and a nod, and, and he knows full well that God is behind this. Now here, again, I'm not going to tell you this story. If you don't know it, you got to go read it for yourself. Um, chapter 3, the threshing floor business. Oh, I know what I wanted to tell you. Barley. Th- this happens at the time of the barley harvest. We know that barley is the earliest crop planted. It is a cool weather crop, and it is the f- therefore the first to be harvested. Um, barley hay is used now. We fed our goats barley hay. Uh, it's, it's a green leafy stalk that that sheep and goats uh, love. At least goats do. I guess sheep do. I don't know for sure. Anyhow, this takes place at the barley harvest, which means that it's March, maybe April, when this narrative takes place. Later on, you'll read that the wheat harvest is going on. So this narrative takes place over the stretch of maybe three or four months, but it begins in early spring in March or April. She goes in and gleans. You know about gleaning, right? Uh, the harvesters would be brought out. The landowner, in this case Boaz, sends out his gleaners, and they cut down the barley. Barley is a low, relatively low-growing crop. It's not like corn. It's, it's short. Um, they're going to cut that off, and it will get bundled. And, uh, and and then arranged in what are called sheaves. But again, don't think sheaves like sheaves of wheat because barley doesn't grow that tall. But it is bundled. They're always going to miss some. The gleaners go along behind and gather that. And, and that is a charitable contribution. I mean, that's just how you take care of the poor in your community. The law, the Mosaic law, forbids them from going back over it a second time and picking up what got missed or left behind and, and falls down and... That is to be left for the gleaners. That is how they survive. That's how you take care of the poor in your community. And Ruth is among the gleaners. Um, The harvesters are males. There is reference to the women who work for Boaz. And and I'm not sure exactly what they would have done. Maybe they're the ones who tie it in sheaves. I don't know. Uh, The hardest physical labor would have been done by the harvesters. What the women did, I can't answer that, but they're clearly a part of this. Boaz interacts with, again, you'll read the story, and you're going to have to decide some things for yourself. Why is Boaz so drawn to Ruth? Why is he so concerned and shows her special favor? And boy, does he. The details, again, read these details with your stomach. In chapter 3, 
there is another one of these cultural traditions things. Naomi tells Ruth what to do. And if you read it with a jaded eye, you will think there is something inappropriate going on here and not at all. This was the custom. And there were strict rules about that. Different locations at different times have different customs. I was having a conversation with one of the guys at the golf course that I now work with uh, about my trip to Africa. And we had a 12-hour bus ride from the city of Dar es Salaam out on the east coast to the inland village that we were going to on the western part of Tanzania. It was a 12-hour bus ride across the country. That was brutal. (laughs) That was absolutely brutal in this beat-up old greyhound-type bus that was packed full of people and hot and smelly and, and, and. And every two hours or so, the bus would pull off to the shoulder of the road and everybody would get out and walk into the bushes to relieve themselves. And Brian Sherstad, who was my translator, guide, slash uh, helper in in all things, I said, this is kind of weird. He said, in Africa, in America, the, uh, the cultural ethic is get where you can't be seen. In Africa, you can't do that, so the ethic is don't look. And that is a strong ethic. It is just considered incredibly bad manners to look. And so here are men and women relieving themselves uh, 20 feet apart from each other, but they are facing away and nobody looks. That's just the way it goes. Okay, that's what's going on here. This, uh, to the Western mind, some of this, what's going on, may seem like hanky-panky. It is not at all. And in fact, you will read a phrase that indicates that Boaz does everything to preserve the reputation of Ruth so that even in this context, even in this cultural context, nobody can think evil of Ruth. Uh, He is taking care of her. That is, as I said, chapter 3 is kind of the the climax. And then in chapter 4, we get this narrative where the dynamic of the goel, of the Redeemer, comes into play because, uh, because Boaz knows he is not the nearest goel. There is someone up the chain, closer, and he has first dibs on the property, but, but you'll see, Boaz explains, now when you take the property, you are also obligated to take Ruth. Because that's how it works, right? The goel has to do two things. Has to get the property back. You'll read that in those uh, passages in Deuteronomy. Has to get the property back for the end of the family line. He also has to take the dead man's uh, widow. It's called leveret marriage. And I'm not sure why, but taking the dead man's widow is called leveret marriage. And the guy says, well, I'd like to have the property, but, but frankly, I don't want the widow. That's a, that's a burden on me and my estate, and I don't want to assume that burden. Now, Boaz is the next in line, so he rises to the top, and he does. He pays the money to buy the property, uh, to get it back into the family. Apparently, we don't know. We don't need the detail. We don't need the detail. Apparently, someone else has it. He buys the property back. It comes back into the family of Ruth's now deceased husband, and back into the family of Naomi. And then he takes Ruth to be his wife, um, and she bears a son, and the son becomes the grandfather of King David. So, So there's the story. Again, you'll read it for yourself, and you'll read it with your stomach, and if you don't understand details, don't let that get in the way. See, I'm like that. I have a tendency to read things with my head. 
Don't let some confusion over details to get in the way of the message and of, of this story, which is a message to your heart, not to your head. Now, we have to ask the question, why is this story in the Bible? Of all the little uh, incidences, anecdotes that took place in Israel's history, this one gets pulled out of the time of the judges and becomes a book of the Bible. And why is that? I want to tell you here that you should not confuse the word redeemer and redeem, the verb redeem and the word redemption with those same English words that occur in the New Testament. In the New Testament, in passages in Romans especially, you will read about Christ as our Redeemer. Do not link that to the word goel. The word redemption in the New Testament is drawn from the slave market. Uh, maybe, maybe next time through when we do R, we'll, we'll do redemption in that New Testament sense. A slave is redeemed. We'll talk about that later, as I said. Here it's goel, and it is the obligations assigned to an individual by the Mosaic law that have to do with being a kinsman and leveret marriage and the avenger of blood. So, so don't do that. I've, I've read authors and, frankly, heard preachers who got sloppy and linked what's going on in Ruth with truths taught in Romans, and they're different because they're different words, one of which comes from the slave environment uh, in the marketplace, the agora, in uh, New Testament cities where, where slaves were bought and sold. The other one is based on the requirements of the Mosaic law for the kinsman redeemer. That said, there is an interesting connection between what goes on in the book of Ruth and what we have experienced with our redemption. With that caveat, think about Jesus Christ, who, who is our kinsman by virtue of the incarnation. He is our kinsman and provides for us and gives us blessings that we could not uh, take such good care of us. Why? Because he loves us. The book of Ruth is a love story, isn't it? It is a love story between, uh, of love between Naomi and her husbands and her sons, which is why she says, call me bitter, because she clearly loved her husbands and her sons, and her heart is broken because they're gone. It is a story of the love between Naomi and her daughters-in-law, which is so rare. The classic uh, relationship dynamic is that mothers and their daughters-in-law do not get along. There are specific reasons rooted in psychology for that. Daughters-in-law do not get along traditionally with their mothers-in-law. Um, there are exceptions, but it just makes this narrative so unique in so many ways. The love between Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, whom she encourages to go back for their own benefit, and then is so tightly bound for Ruth that as you read this story, you'll see her ongoing care for Ruth. It is a story of love between Ruth and Naomi and her commitment to take care of Naomi and not desert her and stay attached to her. Uh, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates me from you. And then it is certainly a story of love between Boaz and Ruth and Ruth and Boaz. It is a story of uh, the love between a husband and wife. 
Now I want to ask you, why does Boaz love Ruth so much? Um, years and years ago, I pondered that question. What is it? And I noticed something missing from the book of Ruth. There is no description of the physical characteristics of any of these characters. The only thing we know is that Boaz was older because because when he talks to Ruth, you'll find this in chapter 3, he commends her because he says, you did not go after the younger men, the men your own age, but instead um, are, are being wed, are attaching yourself to me. That's the only thing we know is that Boaz was probably as much as a generation older than Ruth. What did Boaz look like? There is the tendency to picture him. Okay, so when I taught Bible 101, Old Testament introduction to freshmen at, at the college, and I'd get to this, and I would, I would say, now, now guys, uh, be quiet. Please don't respond. I, I've got a question just for the co-eds, for the female students. What did Boaz look like? And the consensus was he was kind of a Sean Connery guy, this dashing, handsome, older man. Now it wouldn't be Sean Connery because I don't even know if he's still alive. It would be Harrison Ford is what it would be now. He was a Harrison, an older, handsome gentleman. Now, now, gals, you be quiet. Guys, what do you think Ruth looked like? Oh, she was hot. There's no doubt. She, none of that appears in this book. And yet they are so deeply in love and so committed to each other. And this college professor put on his pastor hat, maybe his youth pastor hat, and said, you are too consumed with what someone looks like. And certainly, beauty is a good thing. In the Song of Solomon, we, uh, we read that the author, Solomon, praises the beauty of his beloved. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But Ruth reminds us it's about character. Uh, Boaz praises Ruth for her character. And Naomi says to Ruth, you go back to his field. He is a good man. He's going to take care of you. Uh, yeah, uh, as we read in Proverbs 31, beauty is temporal. It fades and uh, gravity is a horrible thing that afflicts all of us old people. This is part of the love story. It's a, it's a love story about character not about appearance. And, and that's, boy, that's a good reminder in our culture that is so consumed with physical appearance. Hey, I don't want to tell you any more about this book. I really do want you to read it. And I'm going to make a suggestion. There are four chapters. Uh, one of the things I did in prep is read the two lessons uh, on the book of Ruth that occur in Baxter's book, Explore the Book. I've recommended that to, uh, to you before, I think twice before. I read Baxter's two lessons on the book of Ruth in his book titled Explore the Book. Was that confusing or not? And he gives some of the same information I've given to you. In fact, frankly, that's why I'm giving it some, uh, some of it to you because, hey, if Baxter thinks it's a good idea, I'm not going to argue with J. Sidlow Baxter. However, he makes at the end a suggestion, and he makes it at the beginning too, come to think of it, at the beginning of, of lesson one. Sit down and read this book all the way through. And then do it again. I'm going to encourage you to, to plop into that comfortable chair with your cup of hot black coffee and read this book from chapter 1 to chapter 4. It's an easy read. There's nothing tricky about this. And because it's all narrative, it's extremely engaging. And I want you to read it when it's quiet. I don't want music. I don't want TV. I want you just to read this and feel, feel 
with Naomi, her grief and her sadness, and feel with Ruth her commitment to her mother-in-law. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates me from you. And then read about Boaz, who who sees in Ruth an honorable woman who is taking care of her mother-in-law and has served her faithfully and aided her in life and says, now I'm going to do the same for this young gal. And, And then the connection that occurs, read this book once. Maybe what you should do is read this book once through, twice through if you've got the time, and then set it aside. There are seven days between episodes of this lowly podcast. The next day, read chapters one, and then the next day, chapter two, and the next day, chapter three, and the next day, chapter four, okay? Now you've got five days invested. And now on on the last day, on the sixth day, read it again, chapters one to four. Each time, I promise you, each time you'll see something new, each time you'll feel something new, and I think that's the way we've got to experience the book of Ruth. You understand, I hope at this point, why this is both Ruth and redemption. It is the woman, the book, and the goel. Ah, good stuff. One last thing just for fun. In chapter 1, what was Boaz? That's the question. What was Boaz? The answer, he was ruthless. God bless. God bless.